The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Amen. Okay, so just say this with me. Seeing as we're just ending off the, the offering, say, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Say, God is my source and my security. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you very much. Ah, awesome. Pastor T, Pastor Chippo, and all your elders and your wonderful church, thank you for the invite. Um, I was up here for a um, birthday celebration at another church on Friday night, their 10-year celebration, and um, I was only supposed to be here in November, I think, and then I told the pastor I am here, and he said, no, 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 we'll just... We'll just, uh, you know, fast forward that and you'll be here now. So um, it's so great to be here. I always love coming to my other house in Johannesburg. And um, yeah, if I was in Johannesburg, I'd come to this church. So uh, yes, and congratulations to all the new members. I think it's very exciting to see all of you here this morning. So let's go back to uh, Matthew 6 where um, the pastor was reading. And um, we're going to start off right there, but we're going to go back. Um, it's all in the context of the finances, but you heard there's there, there are like two gods. There's the God of Mammon, and there's the only God. <laughs> and, 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 and there's because of this, there is like this confusion, this competition, okay? So I want to start off there this morning, and going from 21... Uh, Matthew says, he says, well, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. Say eye. eye. And therefore, uh, uh, if therefore thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness... Um, how great is that darkness? All right. So jumping quickly to James, because I haven't got, I've got to look with my glasses to see that watch, right? Okay. I haven't got much time this morning, so let's just go for it. Jumping quickly to James, James says this. He says, a double-minded man cannot expect anything from God. He will be unstable in all his ways. He'll be like waves tossed to and fro by the wind. When Elijah confronts the people of Israel in the time of Ahab the king, this is his words to them. He says, how long will you halt between two opinions? If God be God, serve him. If, if, if um, uh, Mam, uh, not Mammon, um, Baal be God, serve him. But stop hesitating between the two. Make up your mind. So, Let's jump quickly to Genesis, and, and in Genesis, we see there are two trees in the garden. You don't have to read there, just follow me the story. You can check me later on. I'm trying to save time. Okay, so in Genesis, um, 
we have the two trees in the garden. And we know that the one tree is the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Say good and evil. Say light and darkness. Say um, sweet and sour. Okay, so you get the, you get the, 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 the picture. There, is, there are two different, there, there is two opposing forces and it's plurality, it's duality. There's, there's two things going on. So I'm either in the one or in the other or I'm trying to please both, all right? But there was another tree and that was called the tree of life. So Adam is in the garden and God says to him, if you eat of this tree, he said, you'll surely die. All right. You know that the snake came along and turned around and said, no, you won't die. You'll be just like God. And so he takes his eyes. Bear with me now. He takes his eyes off a singular thing, which is life. He says, I lay before you blessing and cursing life and death. But in case you do not know which one to choose, choose life, all right? He takes his off, eyes off of singularity. He puts his eyes on duality and he swaps what he has in God for this dualistic existence. And that is why, dear friends, that since the fall of Adam, I know the good news and we'll get there. In Christ, it's been restored. But that is part of the curse in man is there's a dualistic opinion upon your life. Am I right or am I wrong? Am I in the spirit or am I in the flesh? Am I sufficient for this talk or am I not? There's this constant conflict of duality which we have got to get past to get our eyes fixed and focused on Him because He is life. So in the garden, they're walking before the fall. They're walking with the Lord in the garden every single day. And they're in relationship with his voice. And all of a sudden, they fall from that presence because they eat of this tree and they, they're hiding themselves. And God comes looking for them and says, where are you? He said, I'm naked and ashamed. And he says to him, who told you? that you naked, and that was that whole thing about having this dualistic opinion, okay? So that's the departure this morning because I want to get us to a place this morning that when God says to us twice in the Bible, Romans, I think, 12, 1 and 2, and then in Ephesians 4, he says, you have to constantly renew your mind. Okay, so let's put spirit over here. Let's put Soul over here, and let's put flesh over here. Okay, it's like, you know the, those weights? The soul reacts to whichever area has got the most sway. Okay, so if I'm operating in carnality and flesh, dualism and confusion, my soul is going to be swaying over to the actual opinion that's being put on it from here. All right? But if I'm living from the Spirit, then the influence to my soul will be singular. It will be light and it will be clarity and I will be swaying over to this side because I'm hearing from God. All right? So, let's go to a, a scripture. Colossians 3. Colossians 3. 
<sighs> awesome to be here this morning. Colossians 3, verse 1. Reading out of the Amplified says, If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, in brackets, pause, if then you have been raised with Christ, who are children of God here this morning? Then you have been raised with Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds, say mind, mind. and keep them said on what is above, in brackets, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. Say beneath. Okay, so... The realm of the spirit is above. It's a higher realm. It's a more superior realm. And the Bible says here that I have to keep my mind set it and keep it set on the above things. All right? Because otherwise the dualistic things are going to be boxing me all the time. Is God good or is he not good? Is he my provider or is he not my provider? There's going to be this constant tossing and turning in my faith walk because I'm living from the imparting or the impulses of the flesh, all right? Instead of living from the impulses and the influence of the Spirit. But the more spiritual impulse there is, the less interference there is from this. And I'm walking from and above. So this morning I'm just, I'm, I'm setting a scene for you because we're going to go into something right now that I believe we need to preach really strongly because for years we are seated in Christ, right? We have authority, right? But why do we not see it flowing freely into the church? I believe it's because we haven't taken hold, I mean really taken hold, of our true position which is in Christ. Just quickly, you, you know that we are buried with Him in baptism, Romans 6 verse 1. All right. So first of all, let's go to the cross. I am crucified with Christ, Galatians 2, so I'm co-crucified. My old man died with Jesus on the cross. The old Adamite is dead. He died on the cross. He was nailed to the cross in Christ. I'm co-crucified. I am buried with him in his death in baptism. So they took that old man, and when Jesus buried, they buried him. When Jesus was raised, the baptism says, I was also raised with him. So I'm co-crucified, co-buried, co-raised. And then the Bible says, I am seated with him in heavenly places. So I'm co-seated, ruling and reigning with one Christ Jesus in this life. So I could actually say, I'm also co-walking with him on this earth. There's another statement I want to make. It says, we often make this statement out of habitual um, religiosity. We say, I, um, Jesus died for me, therefore I have to live for him. That's going to get you into trouble. 
Because you cannot live for him ever. He has to live through you. So it's not Jesus died for me. Jesus died as me. So that he might live through me or as me. So it takes a lot of the responsibility off when I suddenly finally realize my position in Christ is that he is in me and a position in Christ is singular. It's not dualistic. It's not I'm in him and out of him. I'm in him and out of him. When I do good, I'm feeling okay. When I'm not doing good, I'm not feeling okay. I am constantly in Christ. It's singular. So I've got to get my... Okay, let's do another one. My state is not my status. My condition is not my position. This is gospel stuff. This is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've often heard people use it as an excuse. And I know it's a good statement, but to use it as an excuse, not a good statement, is that God's not finished with me yet. That's true, God's not finished with me yet, but actually I am finished. So the state that I'm in, when I'm acting out of character, that guy at the robot drove over the front of your toe and now you're not feeling so good and you and it's not tongues that you speak in. And you go to work and you feel, whoa, I'm supposed to be a child of God. Look at the way I acted. That was your state, but it's not your status. Your status is, I am a new creation in Christ. I am a new creature, totally brand new. My condition, oh, I'm feeling so bad, I'm feeling so depressed, is not my position. I am seated in heavenly places, all right? So we've got to get to the place where we become very singular about that. And I believe that the very thing that is in that, let's just read finished in Colossians 3, let's just jump to 10. You have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. So 2 Corinthians 3 says, we're looking by the word into a mirror. There's a whole story in 2 Corinthians 3 that jumps from where Moses was on the mountain with God and received the law and he came down and his face was shining but he had to wear a veil so that the children of God could not see that the glory that he had because we're going to glory this morning okay we're going on to glory this morning the the glory that he had was fading it was temporal it wasn't a permanent situation because the law could never bring it all right. So the, here's, here's Moses on the mountain. He comes out. Then 2 Corinthians 3 goes on. He says, but where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He said, and then we are all being changed, transformed. It's the same word as when Jesus was on the mountain and he was praying and he transfigured. And he became glorious in front of them. You know that he says, there are some of you who are sitting here today that will not see death until you see me in my glory or coming into my kingdom in glory. And then it says, next chapter, and six days later, he took Peter, James, and John up onto a high mountain. So that's the, some of you not dying. It wasn't far, it was a week later. He took them onto a mountain and started to pray. And as he prayed, he started to transform. There was a cloud, there was a voice, there was glory. Shoo! And God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. 
view and opinion, which is glory, which is doctor. And he says, hear him. Listen to him. He's living word. Listen to him. And so he's transformed. So 2 Corinthians 3 says, And we, when we look into the word, are being transformed from a fading glory, which is of the law, to a constant glory, which is of the spirit. We are being changed from glory to glory. So there is a gloriousness, church, that has to come into the church. And it's time for throne room uh, encounters. It's time for us to live above, not beneath. It's time for us to walk with a type of glory. And the type of glory that we have to have, I'm going to jump there now. Just please, someone put a knot in your finger that I don't forget, Stephen. Okay, um, <laughs> there is time for us to walk in that kind of relationship. A glorious relationship which actually causes your face to shine. For you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. There is a position which is in the understanding of your righteousness. Renew your mind. What must I renew it to that? ultimate highest position of renewal of your mind is to be able to stand in the mirror of God without doubt, without double-mindedness and say, I am forgiven yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> it's all right. You know, I'm forgiven. Yeah. That stuff that was way back. Okay, let's go here. The mind. The, here, the flesh. That stuff that was there yesterday and last year. And yeah, I feel I went to a couple of Faith Hill meetings and the pastor really preached up a storm. And I felt that when they prayed for me that night, I got forgiven for yesterday. And maybe you even were brave enough to get into the today stuff. And you said, I'm forgiven. And then you leave church. And your state is not your status. And your condition is not your position. And you happen to do something that is sinful. And you say, I'm not forgiven. You see, can you feel it? Can you feel it? Ooh, where are you just going now? The fact is Jesus paid an ultimate price as an ultimate sacrificial lamb to forgive you forever. The, the gospel is so radical. The true gospel is so radical. That Paul has to say twice, does this mean that we continue in sin, that grace may abound more? No. He said, no, that's not what I'm saying. And yet that is what I'm saying. You are forgiven. <laughs> but don't use it as a license to sin. Don't go on and on in what you... It's supposed to be a position of departure, not something I'm trying to get to. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. You're supposed to be sitting in a ruling, reigning position and totally forgiven. Now there is no con there is therefore now no condemnation. Romans 8 verse 1. For them that are in Christ Jesus. I've got to get a place of no condemnation. The only place I can get that is to get my mind renewed. So Jesus literally is the tree of life. He's a metaphor, but it is he is. All right. Because if we go to John 15, he says, if you abide in the vine. 
<laughs> if you live in me and I live in you, singular state, you will bear much fruit. You will be bearing fruit from what? For your uh, um, and in uh, 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 grafted in. You've been grafted into the tree of life. Now you bear fruit according to the sap that's not yours, but flowing from him through you. Come on. This has got to get to the place where you get excited, where you pull the curtain back and say, wow, Lord, this is real. This is huge. This is bigger than big. So that tree that was in the garden that they ate of, it brought a curse into the world. It says Jesus took the curse away on the cross because cursed is everyone who dies on a tree. It's literally the tree of life canceling the curse of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The one nailed over the other one. And so you have been set free. You have been broken loose from the curse. Are you, are you with me so far? Are you with me? <laughs> Whew, this is going to get good really fast, okay? Um, 14. Okay, so I want you to go with me. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Um, okay, so just... <laughs> all right, that's a good interest to the glory thing. So Stephen is standing before the Sanhedrin and he's giving his testimony and he takes them through the entire Jewish history and he's preaching a good sermon. And when he gets to the end of it, he's like really cut them to the, to the quick. He's really, it's like, a, I didn't, I, I'm so pleased I wasn't in that sermon. And he gets hold of these traditional leaders and he really preaches a message and they want to, they want to get rid of him. And he says, and when they looked at Stephen, his face was shining like that of an angel. And Stephen says, I see the heavens open. And I see Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father. Jesus stood up. He's actually sitting down. But he stood up to salute a man who could preach the true gospel. And could stand for him. And stand in the presence. And so when he stands, he says, and his face shone. There's a testimony about a guy by the name of Arthur Blessed who walked through the world with a cross, with a little wheel on the back, a huge cross. He was a tall man. And he walked with this cross and he used this walking with this cross. He literally took up that scripture, take up your cross and follow me. And he walked through the world with this cross, country after country, and preached the gospel. And people gave their lives to Jesus in mass. He went through places that you and I would never even testify. He went walking with the cross. He went into Iran, into Iraq. Um, he walked through places where little Muslim boys were sitting on the, lo the, the, the long end where the wheel was, singing and, and laughing, and he would walk past the imams in the front of the, the mosque and just preach Jesus, and they left him alone. And then one night in Mexico, a drug cartel and a rebel group pulled him off the road. They put him up against his truck. They put his cross behind him. They pulled his wife out and they were going to kill them and shoot them. And as they were putting their rifles into the position, loading them to fire 
and the guy was in Spanish giving the instructions to, you know, load, aim, fire. He was at the aim, and Arthur Blessed was praying the prayer of Jesus and the prayer of Stephen, and said, God, do not lay this, this sin to their charge. Forgive them for, you know, I'm forgiving them. And, and then all of a sudden, he heard, like people falling over each other because they had lights of the trucks. He couldn't see past to see who his assailants were. He heard people falling over each other and rifles falling down. And the bit of Spanish he could understand was the light, the light, she is too bright. He started to shine with a literal glory that actually arrested them and they ran away. And I believe the time for the world to truly see light in a physical sense, to start actually realizing that you and I of a, a light source that is so great that it outshines everything in the world, is found within understanding that God desired. Are you ready for this? God desired to share His glory. You know, often we said, oh, we give you all the glory. Yes, we do. Because we can't help ourselves to be saved from the destitute of sin that I was in, the, the, the position I was in. I will be eternally grateful and I cannot but help give him the glory for it. But Jesus praying in John 17 says, Father, come on, give them the glory that I have with you. God has desired for us to be co-glorified, co-seated, that we walk through the earth literally as an advertisement board of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It's the very weighty presence of Him. Now, I'm so pleased. The worship pastor starts off this morning and he says, Ezekiel. And the river. Isaiah's in Isaiah 6, I think. He's on the inside. The angel catches him up and takes him into a vision where he's on the inside of a heavenly tabernacle. And the angels are flying around the throne. And the Lord is in sitting. And his train is filling the temple. And the angels are flying. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy. And as they fly... Forever and ever, as they fly around him, they have visions of his glory, like a like a, a prism, like a diamond, like a different facets. And every time they look at him, they see another version of his glory. And they, and Isaiah looks at this and says, "Woe is me! I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips." That means you had an unclean heart, because the. The, the production of your heart comes out by your mouth. He said, we have unclean heart. That's why our lips speak, okay? And so he says, I'm undone. Oh, it's me. And an angel flies, fetches a coal, cleanses. It's a prophetic action of what would happen to us in Christ. He cleanses him from the altar. He cleanses his speech. In other words, he cleanses his heart. And then, he, then there's a, an invitation, an invitation that says, who shall I send? And then he's like, Donkey in the Shrek movie, pick me from being hiding away and saying, woe is me. He's now saying, pick me, pick me, send me. He says, and it was so powerful, the glorious presence, the weightiness of God, that, the, that, that there, was, there was like an earthquake in the heavenlies. There was a shaking. I think it's in, in, in uh, um, Habakkuk somewhere. It says, I will once again shake the heavens and the earth. 
I believe there's a shaking going to take place so that the things which are temporal, the things which are passing, the things which are parasitic that sit on our lives, God is going to shake it off, burn it off, so that we can stand purified before Him, that we can walk a walk and talk a talk. <laughs> are you with me? So, so Isaiah's on the inside. He said, and, and, and he said, as surely as I live, my glory. You see where I'm going now? As surely as I live, the whole earth will be filled with what? With the glory and the knowledge of it. All right? Because the one place says the knowledge of the glory. The other place says with the glory itself. God's not done with this earth. It's not time to fly away. <laughs> it's not time to catch the next bus out of here. God's still got something on His agenda. And it's to show the whole world the fullness of what He intended in you and in me. Because we are His sons. We are His daughters. We are made righteous for this very purpose. That we will be carriers of glory. Carriers of the weightiness of His view and opinion. Carriers of, wow, man. Amen. Ezekiel's walking around the outside. The same temple in the vision, the one on the inside is being shaken. There's a cloud and the pillars are moving. There's even structural damage. Ezekiel's walking around the outside. And the angel's leading him and he gets to the door. And here outside the door, because of the structural damage on the inside, something's been released and there's a river flowing. There is a river. The streams thereof make glad the city of God. It's time to get into the river. It's time to get into the flow of the Spirit. It's time to receive what God has for you. Not sitting in condemnation. And the river is flowing out from under the threshold. Ankle deep. Knee deep. Hip deep. Depths to swim in. But it's coming from the throne. When you and I start swimming in the river of God, the waters are coming from the throne. The waters we drink and the waters we swim in are filled with authority. They are filled with a position of authoritiveness. What the world needs now is a move of God that's going to show people that can call the things that be not as they are, that can speak literal words of power and of authority, that will change circumstance on this earth. That say, let there be light and there is light. To be able to speak to a blind man and open his eyes. To be able to speak to a deaf man and let him hear. To be able to speak to a crippled man and let him stand up straight. That, that ability comes from being able to walk in the authority in the river of the Spirit that flows from the throne room of God. And hear the word of the Lord. God has desired that you and I have a share in, a partnership with, a oneness with His authority. Because as long as I am disqualifying myself like an orphan-hearted person, which I am not, which you are not, He said, because by the Spirit, we have been received into or placed into adoption, which is not being like an orphan that is picked up at the orphanage that has just been given that position. No, 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 no. You have been moved into or placed in a position of sonship, which the Spirit allows you now to say, Abba, Father. Your sons and your daughters. Not... Lesser sons and daughters, not sons and daughters with an inferiority complex, sons and daughters that 
So the Bible says in Isaiah and in Micah, in the last days, says the Lord, I will set my mountain above every other mountain. Mountains are people in the word. He says, I'm about to do a shift in authority. I'm about to do a shift in positioning. I'm about to take the church from below. And I'm about to put the church in above. True kingdom, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm running out of time. Daniel has a vision. In Daniel's vision, the thrones are set. Earthly thrones and earthly kingdoms are set. And God, the ancient of days, walks into the room. And there's three or four scriptures which I don't have time to go into now. You can get them from me if you like. He said, I have set my glory above my throne. The thrones are set of earthly. He walks in. Do you think you can ever separate God from his glory? When God appears, his glory appears. His gloriousness appears. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When I say it's time for throne room encounters, it's time for the children of God to run into the very throne room of grace. To sit there in the presence like Jesus and the men on the mountain. And when we leave... We don't come to church and leave him here. We should never be doing that anyway. This should just be the place of celebration. We should come to church because we are a body and have a corporate anointing and corporately bless each other. But when we leave, he should leave with us. Not just spiritual anointing. Not just the Holy Ghost power. When Jesus turns around and says, all power is given to me. In Matthew 28, he's not talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. The word there is exousia. He says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Amen. It's time for change, people. It's time for something drastically to happen that, that the glory. So we read one more scripture, Hebrews, and she drinks. No, just Hebrews. I want you to get, I want you to get like, like an appreciative, wow, Lord, like Isaiah. In their throne room, like Ezekiel, like Daniel. But you are so different because you're not an Old Testament people. You are a New Testament people. And Jesus, leaving as he goes, says, I've desired that you carry this authority, this weightiness, this presence. I want you to have my glory. And then, just to describe it to you, Hebrews 1. Verse 3, are you ready? Take a deep breath. Don't wake the guy up next to you, just bump him softly. He is the sole expression of the glory of God. What's it? 
Adam didn't have glory. I'm sorry, it doesn't say he had it. People teach it doesn't say he had it. It says he is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outraying, or the radiance of the divine. And he is the perfect imprint and the very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power, when he had by offering himself accomplished our cleansing of sins. Our cleansing of sins. Accomplished. Past tense. Accomplished. Our cleansing of sins. John sees him. He said, there is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And our riddance of guilt. Not guilty! <laughs> there is a gavel that has gone down on the eternal judgment bench over you the moment you accepted Christ. Dua, not guilty. He has taken your sins. He has declared you not guilty. Woo, ha, ha. Oh, where am I now? Uh, not guilty, yeah. <laughs> Upholding and maintaining God's prayer. When he had offering himself, accomplished our cleansing of our sins and riddance of guilt, he sat down on the right hand of the divine of majesty on high. It's time for a singular thought. It's time to have singular thinking, not dualistic. Can I explain to you how powerful this is? Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and the cup comes and he looks at the cup and says, Father, if this can pass, if I can accomplish this freeing of them from the sins without having to drink of this cup, let it be. But if not, I will drink this because I have to set them free. That's basically what's going on there, all right? It should have been an attack of the, he has to, in the realm of the now and the dualism, he has to look at a cup full of sins and there's all sorts of things dualistically going on. Should I, shouldn't I, what should I do? Then he steps beyond through the realm of dualism and good and evil into an eternal singular realm of only good. And he says, and the joy that was set before him, he suffered the cross. You see, whatever you're going through right now in dualism might seem God is unfair, might seem like things are, are, are really bad. But if you're in the spirit, you step from dualism into the singularity of knowing what God's will is for you. And the moment you do that, the moment you do that, you see singularly, you see clearly, there's no more condemnation. And you say, God, this that you have desired for me is good. All things work together for the good. It's time for you to step one step up. But this step is not a small step. It's a big step. God wants to take away all doubt all insecurity, all unsureness. Because right now, you have the ability to do all things through Christ that strengthens you. And so it's time. It's time for you to step up. It's time for you to step up. I take away every 
every thought, every hindrance, every insecurity of orphan-heartedness that a man might have in this world by the fall of Adam, by the situation of the knowledge of good and evil, the two-thoughted, double-minded winds that toss and turn us. Can I do this? Can't I do this? To a singular eye filled with light, the light life of God from the very throne room of Christ. Would you stand with me as we close? There are numerous people in this place this morning that this message is designed to go straight to your position right now, straight to the doubt, straight to the confusion, straight to where you're at right now. And you're in this church, not by coincidence this morning, but to hear, not only are you forgiven, but you are blessed with eternal security that says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Singular. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. No more doubt. No more confusion. I am what I am by the grace of Almighty God. My status is not my state. My condition is not my position. I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm a son of God. And I'm filled with His glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.